Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Kind of, sort of, hello there. <coughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm coughing, sneezing, sniffling. Uh, yay. I don't know what got me, but something did. Life itself. <coughs> oh, man. So, how you doing? Welcome to uh, whatever day it is. Why isn't the date up on my computer like it usually is? What day is it? August uh, 21. Yeah. That's weird. The date has disappeared. August 21, yet another day in the insanity that we now inhabit. Ay, 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 ay. Okay, but before we get going, let me, uh, let me flag something for you that <coughs> I saw in the New York Times today, and I'm excited about seeing. It's a documentary film, <coughs> and it's the first uh, movie that uh, is produced uh, by Barack and Michelle Obama's uh, movie production company. Do you know they, did you know they have one in conjunction with Netflix? And um, there is a review of it in today's New York Times and I'm assuming that that means that it will be available, if not right now, I didn't have a chance to look, uh, on Netflix. Uh, the name of it is American Factory. And, uh, excuse me while I get a Kleenex. And my Kleenex is on. Oh, God. So, um, it, the review makes it sound really fascinating. It's a, it is a, a very, very good review. And it's about a factory, uh, in Ohio uh, that used to be a General Motors plant. It's uh, uh, near Dayton, Ohio. Excuse me while I find there. Man, I'm just, you know, general body uh, rebellion going on here. Uh, so GM closed this uh, factory in Ohio Poor Ohio, man, there's so many factories. And the Chinese, excuse me, decided to open, reopen the factory, but as a uh, auto glass uh, manufacturer. And this all happened uh, recently in uh, 2016. And the it turns out that two extremely good uh, documentarians lived right near this factory and had, in fact, um, documented the closing of the GM plant, uh, I believe, in uh, 2009. And so when the Chinese decided to repurpose the plant and moved in, they got permission from them to continue documenting that transition. And that is what uh, this documentary is about. And from the review, it sounds really good uh, and not necessarily happy. It's, um, and apparently, uh, they focus mostly on the workers who have been given this second chance and by the cultural dissonance that occurs uh, between the Chinese uh, who are used to Chinese workers <laughs> and the Americans. And I, I, I get this feeling that th this doesn't end well. But it says here that the film American Factory is political without being self-servingly didactic or strident, connecting the socio-political dots intelligently. 
apparently the filmmakers don't villainize anyone, though a few of the people you see come awfully close to twirling waxed mustaches, like uh, especially this reviewer points out an American manager who who denigrates the American workers to his Chinese counterpart. And uh, whatever, I, if that sounds of interest to you, for many reasons. It's uh, certainly one of the uh, issues that Americans are concerned about, our loss of manufacturing, the fact that the, in the Chinese are um, coming in, and uh, increasingly perhaps Americans will be working uh, in Chinese-owned plants that used to be American-owned auto plants. I, I, I don't know. American Factory is the name of it. I think it must be on Netflix uh, just because. And it's also, uh, as I said, the first production from Barack and Michelle Obama's company, which is called Higher Ground Productions. So. And, and I, d I just want to pass this on for those of you who are, you know, technically inclined or who aren't but um, and because of that you're at a disadvantage I suspect that means most of us uh, but uh, front page Wall Street Journal today headlined the truth about faster internet it's not worth it and I, I, I'm just gonna tell you I didn't read the whole article but the journal apparently <coughs> actually did a, a rather long study in cahoots with Princeton and the University of Chicago, two rather, I think, reputable uh, uh, universities. And they had a small, they wanted to see if faster internet really had an impact on the average user, and in fact, even beyond the average user. So they used um, they monitored 53 of the journalists who work uh, for the Wall Street Journal, and I would imagine that they have uh, probably used their computers a heck of a lot and are probably more adept than most. Uh, and what they found is that the 53 journalists just using their computers on a daily basis as they do as most of us do used only a fraction of their available bandwidth and it says and that includes when they're watching uh, streaming services including Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, YouTube even simultaneously, they didn't come close to using all their bandwidth. Also, the study showed that quality did not improve uh, with higher speeds. I mean, somebody who's really picky about it might say, well, yes, it does. Look at that. That pixel is whatever. I don't know. Picture clarity, they say, was about the same. Videos did not launch any more quickly, which is one of the selling points. And uh, they go on to say that, you know, broadband providers like Comcast, AT&T, and the rest are now marketing pretty aggressively higher speeds for you to pay more for. Uh, 250, 500, even 1,000 uh, megabits a second. <coughs> and according to the study, just passing this on again, says here, for the typical household, the benefits of paying more than 100 megabits a second are marginal at best. Uh, so what that means is many of us are paying a premium for service that we do not need. And then they go into a whole long song and dance uh, proving their point, their evidence. That and I, I'll just pass that on if that uh, helps anybody's pocketbook. I don't have a clue what I, I, I'm so out of it. I don't even know how many 
megabits per second I'm paying for on this thingamajig. I'm sorry if I'm sniffing into your ears. Um, oh, 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 Milton, as usual, keeping me honest. Hang on here. Uh, well, now, this is weird. My, my computer is not letting me access anything. So the date's not there, and I can't make this full screen. And Milton, I can't get to I see it's here, but I can't do it. Little Tony, I see you told me something, and I can't get it. Um, I'm shutting it down and uh, try to get it back in a bit. Yeah, I don't even think it's going to let me shut it down. Was that because I was talking trash about Comcast? Excuse me. Shit, it won't let me. Well, that's bizarre. Okay, I'll stop because, I mean, at some point, you don't want to hear it. I see your emails coming in, and I do see, just from the little bit I can see in the subject line, that you're telling me the Obamas did not produce this. They joined in. So they supported it monetarily um, after production. And it does premiere on Netflix, but I can't see when. Because I can't. I can't even shut the damn thing down. I can't open anything, and I can't. <coughs> I swear, that's a weird coincidence. This has never happened. I don't know what that's uh, about. Okay. I'm... Um. Um, I'll just move on. And I'm sorry, guys, I can't, I can't open your emails. You'll have to call if you need to. Okay, I, I do see, uh, Tony, that you're asking a question. And it's a question that I ask, too. It's about one of the outrageous utterances emanating from the Bulgarian uh, in the White House just yesterday. And uh, this was when he essentially said that any Jew who votes for a Democrat is being disloyal. <laughs> now, I'm laughing now. I'm not laughing. I, but I, I don't want you to mistake my reaction. I heard that, and it didn't rise to the level of my blood ran cold, but or that my blood boiled because it was one or the other, and they were both sort of fighting. Um, this is so. This is the the most blatant anti-Semitic trope. It, there's. There's none greater. It has dogged the Jew, the wandering Jew, for millennia. Uh, Jews were expelled from their own country uh, thousands of years ago and have wandered ever since, establishing residency in various countries. And uh, it is rare that they are at some point not scapegoated and said to be disloyal to whatever country they are attempting to live in and that their loyalty is in fact to Israel. Now this is a accusation that has been made since um, well the Romans. <laughs> I mean the the idea of the Jew as as this you know this body that can it will not uh, acclimate to the the host and doesn't isn't allowed in often to do so ghettoized and all that kind of stuff and 
I mean, the history of the Jew, there are very few places where the Jew has been um, allowed to mingle uh, with the others. And um, the, the one country that the Jew has had the, one of the best experiences in has been the United States of America. So as a Jew myself, I am incredibly lucky to have been born into this nation. Not to say that anti-Semitism has been absent here, it certainly has not, but in my lifetime, I have never witnessed the use of me, the Jew, as a political wedge like uh, the monstrosity in the White House is doing on a regular basis and the Republican Party with him. Um, and now out of his mouth, uh, this accusation that if I exercise my right to vote and it is not to vote for him, I'm being disloyal. Tony, I can tell from the subject line, his question is disloyal to whom? And that's a good point. Uh, Trump, as he often does in his ineloquence, uh, leaves room for his aiders and abettors to <coughs> argue, oh, he wasn't, he didn't mean <laughs> disloyal to. I actually heard the, I think the talking point is that he was saying they were disloyal to themselves. <coughs> Jeez. I am sorry, I am just... <coughs> The, um, the body I inhabit is not functioning well today. <laughs> it's really, Jays, come on, give me a break. I got enough trouble here. This thing's deserted me. And that. So, I mean, I don't, I was really upset. I, I mean, I was incredibly upset. I, I saw it. I immediately went nuts. I tweeted, this is just blatant anti-Semitism. Any Jew who doesn't acknowledge that is willfully blind. Um, disloyal to whom? I don't know that it matters. When somebody puts the, the words Jew and disloyal in the same sentence, any Jew with a modicum of uh, historical knowledge um, gets nervous. It's sort of baked in the blood and bone at this point. <clears throat> I also want to point out, it, it occurred to me that, in, that when I was thinking about this trope, that the, the Jews have been accused of this disloyalty for literally millennia. Check it out. That, that also puts the lie to the anti Israel crowd who seem to want people to believe that Jews somehow didn't belong in Israel until 1948 when the state was uh, acknowledged. Um, if that is, you know, if that's the case, then how come the Romans were saying the Jews were disloyal? How come, how come the Russians, how come Germans, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago were saying Jews were disloyal, that their loyalty was to Israel? This is a white nationalist trope. This is what got the Jews expelled from Spain in 1492, folks. I know in America, kids learn about 1492 because Columbus sailed the ocean blue. But also in 1492, 
uh, Queen Isabella and um, and the Inquisition were busy uh, murdering Jews and uh, forcing them to convert and or telling them to get the hell out. Um, and again, this sense that they somehow didn't belong, even though they were had been living there in relative peace for a long time. This president is an abomination. I don't really think, I mean, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, I took it as disloyal. I took it as disloyal to him somehow because, you know, l'état c'est moi, is that the state is me? Um, he is such a narcissist that he does believe that he is the United States. Um, he can't figure, he, the government is him. And so if, if you don't vote for him, you are disloyal to the United States. That was my first impulse. On further thought, it occurred to me that he was engaging in it doesn't you can't get the anti-semitism out no matter who he's arguing a Jew is being disloyal to if they vote for a Democrat because the other possibility is saying that if you don't vote and I I now believe this is what in his twisted mind he was thinking that if you don't vote for him or Republicans you are voting against Israel. Consequently, you are being, the Jew is being disloyal to Israel. What that fails to note is I'm an American. <laughs> I'm not a citizen of Israel. I'm, that's not my country. This is my country. <clears throat> and to suggest that then Jews would be disloyal to Israel suggests that that is where our, uh, our primary allegiance is. I say primary because I have a very emotional attachment to Israel. There is, I'm... My allegiance is to the United States of America, although I have to admit it's been sort of wobbly of late. I am a citizen of this country. I know a lot of Irish people who are good Americans and their allegiance is to America, but in their hearts they love Ireland people or Italy, right? A lot of Americans, we come from other places. <clears throat> it's not a dual loyalty, but it's an expression of our love of our history, of where we come from, no matter where that is. I don't see Irish people who care about Ireland being accused of dual loyalty or Italians or anybody else. It's always only the Jew. This is the same president who said, I don't know when, maybe a year ago, he actually talking to a Jewish audience or talking to Jews called Netanyahu your prime minister? He was talking to Americans and he said, your prime minister. And I remember saying, I don't have a friggin' prime minister. I'm an American. We don't have a prime minister. But if you're an anti-Semite, I guess Netanyahu is the prime minister of some Americans. 
never mind, we didn't gotta have a vote. So this is just the most recent, incredibly repulsive, hateful, and um, divisive statement. And the Jew is going to be bandied about uh, quite a bit in this election cycle, trying to divide Democrats to choose between Ilhan Omar and I, and Trump. I, I, the whole thing is, is it just, you wouldn't think I'd still have this measure of disbelief, but I do. I do that this is happening in America, this, this great country for the Jewish people. But why not? America should be an exception. I have no idea what time it is because my computer won't tell me what time it is either. Wait a minute. Um, oh, I see. So. Ryan will be coming in. We've got some very interesting topics to talk about. Uh, but before he does, I want to squeeze in an obituary that was sent to me by uh, Mary Frances. Thank you. And uh, this was in the Washington Post. Uh, a guy named Ralph Whittington, it's our obit of the day, died at the age of 74. This is a guy who worked at the Library of Congress for 36 years. And he was in charge of the uh, the library's co collection of telephone books. <laughs> uh, a quote from him, I was in charge of every phone book in the freaking world, he said in an, in an interview. He also was a crazed collector of rhythm and blues and doo-wop music, had over 5,000 uh, early recordings. But the collection that he amassed that the obituary really goes into is he was believed to have amassed one of the world's largest collections of pornography. Ralph Whittington, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, he stored all this stuff in his house. Uh, that he shared with his mom. And the thing is, his interest was not, according to the obit, was not prurient. It was academic. He, he, this is a guy who worked at the Library of Congress. He's, a, he's somebody who appreciates the collection of historical information and the cataloging of such. And... Um, in fact, very few people had done that with pornography. Um, he says in another quotation, because people would interview this guy because he was interesting, he says, I'm not like some guy who says, I only read Playboy for the articles. <laughs> I mean, he really cared. So on his business card uh, in this, he, had, he, he said his occupation uh, other than the phone books, <laughs> was an erotic archivist. Um, and here's an amazing quote uh, from him that was from an article that the Post did about him in 2002. He says, to be blunt, most people buy pornography for their own gratification, but I spend money on stuff I don't even like. I like high heels and big legs. <laughs> but I collect everything. And then, it, but well, there's a caveat, except gay porn and child porn. Okay. More quotes from the deceased. I have body house coins from whorehouses in the 1860s. One coin, one coin says on it, 10 cents for looky, 25 cents for feely, 50 cents for dewy. He never owned a computer. I mean, for an archivist, that's mind-blowing. But 
What was his specialty? Telephone books, okay? So, um, as a result, his, his expertise remained rooted in, you know, the era before the computer. Um, he sold most of his collection to the Museum of Sex, which is a professionally curated um, real museum in uh, New York. It took three 16-foot trucks hauling away 848 boxes that had been in his house, packed floor to ceiling, videotapes, pornographic videotapes next to cereal boxes in, in the kitchen, and sex tapes stacked in his mom's closet. His mom, by the way, in an interview on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, uh, said, um, it's something he loves. Uh, you see men his age going to bars or on dope, but he's home day and night, and that gives me peace of mind. Uh, I guess that's, that's it. Uh, and his, the last words from uh, Mr. Whitaker, now dead. Um, he often was visited by scholars and uh, people wanting to look at his amazing collection. And he says, when people come here, at least I don't bore them. They may leave shaking their heads, but they're not bored. So there you have it. And again, my thanks to Mary Frances for sending that obit, uh, which escaped my attention, uh, to me. And uh, that's Ralph Edward Whittington, uh, dead at the age of 74. Ryan, come on in. Here's a live guy. <laughs> Who knows for how long? Though. Yeah, well, that's true. No, I make I a lot know. of enemies. So, are you? A, 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 while you're here. Yeah. My computer's not showing anything. It's not letting me access anything. Oh, I can't even shut it down. I. You can't. You I don't know anything about Apple's computers, honestly. I would probably just hold the button down and. That's what I'm doing. It's not working. Wow. Oh. Uh, I have no idea. Sorry, I'm not a tech-savvy guy. Oh, there <gasps> it goes. See? See? Wow, millennials, you millennials. We just savvy <laughs> all you always ask someone young. And I don't even think he's as young as he looks. I'm not. How 32. Thir yeah, you're as young as you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, great. Thank you. I might right. actually be able to. I was doing this show blind. Uh-oh. Totally blind. Um, okay. Hi, everyone. Ryan Dito. What's your proper title? Senior writer. Senior writer, Pittsburgh City Paper. Yeah, whatever that means. I'm always bad at uh, titles. Yeah, reporter. Well, news, news reporter. Yeah. I go by many titles. Okay. I want to tell everybody, um, maybe I did tell them a little bit, but I'm going to do it again with you here. Was it a week ago? It was like two weeks ago. Sally Wigan was on the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw her in the office, yeah. Yeah, yeah. After the show, we went over across the street and had us some uh, Mexican food. Oh, yeah. At Bea's. Yeah, Bea's yeah, yeah. Tacos. And as we were leaving, um, I s saw an ambulance go whizzing by. I saw cop cars, and we heard sirens, and I said, and, um we left. Sally got into her car, yeah, and I repaired to the bus stop. Yep, on the corner yeah. of the Superstop, as they yeah, call it. Yeah, the Superstop <laughs> in front of Burlington Coat Factory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at is that Sixth? Yeah, Sixth and Smithfield. Smithfield. Mm -hmm. And there was a huge crowd. Yeah. there were cop cars everywhere. There was an, there were two ambulances, one which left as I was coming up. And that was that horrible situation yep. where this guy out of the blue stabbed and killed one woman. Yes. And who so was at the bus? Who was at another bus stop on Sixth just around Street, right, uh, right, just around, around the, corner. the corner. Yeah, kind of catty cornered. Yeah. And uh, stabbed another woman. Yeah, passerby. Okay, and then, so this gave 
um, more ammo to people who are really starting up. I'm, I'm seeing this more and more. Yeah. <coughs> that somehow downtown Pittsburgh is getting more dangerous. Yeah. Now, because there have been some incidents where, like when there's a big event downtown, yep. a gun has been discharged. Yeah, yep. yep. I think there was a shooting on the 4th of July. Okay, that's it, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Never mind all the pyrotechnics. There was sure. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Those are okay. Um, but it was Kevin McMahon who heads the, um, excuse me, who heads the uh, Pittsburgh Cultural Trust? Yeah. Who had what? He wrote a letter to wrote the mayor. Wrote a letter to the mayor that was leaked or given to the press. That was then basically uh, the head of the cultural trust was requesting that the mayor uh, increase his police detail downtown uh, as a way, basically saying that the neighborhood has seen. Uh, a spike in crime and that it's become untenable, I guess, the way that it is in terms of public safety. And, and, and McMahon's talking because he's saying the people coming to our cultural theaters, trust introduced, yeah, and theaters stuff, restaurants, that he's bars. hearing from them that they're, what, they're frightened, they're scared, guess, yeah. they're afraid to come downtown. He didn't quote anybody in the letter. Uh, no, but, no, but that, that there was this sense <laughs> yeah. that Yes, I mean it's hurting business, that's right? What, that's what, right? That's 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 what his that's what he was claiming that that, that right. this was it. And then that that um, story about the stabbing downtown really took off because there was some poor reporting on the part of uh, some television stations that um, uh, linked it to a possible hate crime of somebody who was stabbed because they were wearing a hijab, which is a Muslim headscarf, and uh, a woman apparently was stabbed who was wearing a hijab but it but it was almost certainly a passerby who just happened to be walking by at the time and then got we don't actually know exactly what happened how she got stabbed how 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 the knife hit her or anything like that and there are, you know i work downtown and uh there are a lot of people and women who are wearing hijabs downtown there's uh we do have um a refugee population they spend time downtown we have there are Muslims who wear hijabs. It's not <laughs> this is a lot of them spend time downtown. Downtown's a very active place. So, you know, um, and so, yeah, that story really blew up. And so there is this sense out there that people think that downtown is uh, extremely more dangerous than it's ever been. And it's been parroted by not only the Cultural Trust, but really a lot of uh, media art. It's gotten a lot of media attention, basically, that, that what are we going to do about the... Um, uh, the, like danger downtown. The increased danger downtown. Yes, but and you say you've actually looked at well, okay, so the, the numbers yeah. and so the there is no increased danger downtown. No, there. So for zone two, which includes downtown, uh, there has actually been a five percent decrease in total crime since last year. So from so over the last year, from July this year compared to July like the like year. You know, basically, yeah. like, you know, a year time span, yeah. there's been a total drop in crime, not only in the city at large by 5%, but in Zone 2, which includes downtown, downtown. there's been a drop in crime. So it's really interesting because the letter, basically, uh, that was sent to the mayor and then was uh, repeated in the press, s points out the July 4th shooting, which was a violent crime incident, but also talks about how there's just more, like, panhandling and I guess more just like altercations but again there's actually less because there that's what the stats show in terms of that for zone two violent crime there was a slight increase but it was four incidents more compared to the year before okay so we're talking about four incidents is that necessarily warranting a change in police a huge change in policing usually we want our politicians i think to have not a reactionary you know um you know mindset and we right. want them to like get the data before they really think about making a big change in policing there's been a lot of bad altercations with police downtown especially in terms of youth i've covered it in the past right. uh you know right. there's been you could argue that and that wasn't pittsburgh police that was port authority police but 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 that's a that's 
There's another thing. There's a lot of police downtown already, not just Pittsburgh. Tons of them. There's Port Authority police. And they're on. There's Allegheny County police. They're on horses. They're on bicycles. They're in cars. They're on foot. I'm telling you, they're everywhere. So I really just want to encourage people (coughs) to follow the Pittsburgh police account, look at their stats, you know, really before we start jumping to this idea that, like, that everything is so much more dangerous. And also another thing about... you know, I don't want to talk too much bad about cultural trust because I do think they do a lot of good for the city um, in terms of uh, entertainment. But that was the strategy for downtown, was to invest in downtown, was to bring more restaurants and bars and theaters downtown to attract more people. When you attract more people, that means you might actually attract some youths that live in Northview Heights, too. That means you might actually attract. Oh, you some mean people. they they didn't they didn't say we only want to attract white suburbanites from Munhall or whatever. Uh, you know, sorry, Mun- I'm, I'm not not Munhall. No, no, sorry, Munhall's great. Upper Saint Clair. <laughs> Upper Saint Clair, sure. Upper Saint Clair is I don't, nice don't, too. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, but 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 anyway, like this idea that like that's what downtown is supposed to be now. Yeah. For decades, downtown was a ghost town. And right. a lot of people said it was more dangerous because there was no one out. It was scary. Like they you didn't know, when you come downtown, I mean, at night when there are th- it's amazing now. Yes. There are people all over the place. And when I remember it was, you know, yes. you would see tumbleweeds blowing, yes. blowing down Liberty Avenue. And that's not the case anymore. So this is a really harmful kind of a trope that is getting... I, I absolutely think it's harmful. And, and I think people need to think about, too, um, this is a national issue in terms of you know income inequality. This is a regional issue, well, too. Right. We have some of the worst income inequality in the nation, our, our Pittsburgh region. And so I think that has a play in it, too. I, I when you attract people downtown, this is a public place. So I poor w- people exactly. are going to come down, too. It's a, it's a public place! <laughs> But a lot of people move to the suburbs because they don't like these public places. Sure. It, it, it makes them uncomfortable. Yes. And I want to, I will admit, I don't like having to walk by the guys that I, I you know, sure. I, sure. On the woman over there yeah. and the two guys over here. And I, it can make you uncomfortable. It can I think, I think make it makes you uncomfortable. uncomfortable. It makes you uncomfortable and because you sometimes feel guilt mm-hmm. i do yeah i sometimes give money but i ain't going to give them every day yeah. they're there yeah. and i i mean i don't know i think it to needs i think it needs to take a harm reduction approach and we've we've really started to do this with with like drug use with with criminal justice we've really started to think about harm reduction instead of punitive measures right adding more police is a punitive measure it's basically right. telling all those all those kids many of whom are black and brown that that like hey stop scaring the nice white people that by just walking down. around yeah, yeah. and having a good time yourself and so yeah it's 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 just incredible it's I just think we incredible. need a community center that's that's my pitch downtown yes I think there's 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 a lot of vacant storefronts on Smithfield for example I think the the foundation that's community true. the that's cultural true. trust community the like big foundation community that have a lot of money. Uh, could buy one of these buildings, could turn it into a community center where kids can watch TV, where they can uh, just hang out, relax, play board games, do homework, have security there so, so you know, you know, so nothing's out of town. So many of these kids and also homeless people or even just poor people, they, the de facto community centers downtown are McDonald's and That's are right. Burger King That's and right. are all these things. And they're hanging out there. And those places aren't equipped just to, like, have – people just hang out all the time they're equipped to give people hamburgers and so like i think that's that's a, a solution and i I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the cultural trust for 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 not even considering that um to be honest yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah big story and this was a story that i know you have been very aware of and were uh i f- first sort of like got me to pay attention to has to do with the charitable foundation that is headquartered here the big it became a huge story because the new york times (laughs) the new york times (laughs) put it on the front page above the fold with a big picture of a pittsburgh woman well, Ligonier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Area woman. Yes. 
Richard Mellon Scaife's sister? Yes. Cordelia. Scaife. May. May Scaife. Scaife May. Scaife May. Yeah, That's she, right. She married shortly and then divorced. Right. And she was married to the DA here, Dugan. That's right. Yeah. Who got, <laughs> who got either trouble. committed suicide or got He did commit off. suicide, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. A, oh, yeah. Oh, no, that, that was a big... Yeah. 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 Right. But she was the heiress to huge, huge billions, billions. of melon money. money. Yeah. And um, she was a, lived a very, res, you know, sort of reclusive, yeah, but absolutely. was a very respected woman. Her obituary was full of, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, it turns out the New York Times article uh, lets, makes clear that she is probably the most responsible person for the rise of anti-immigrant fervor yes. in this country. The modern-day anti-immigrant movement, which started in the late 70s, was started with her money and her passion. 100%. And funded by her foundation called the Colcom. Foundation. Do we know what that name means? Where does that come from? I think from? it has something to do with overpopulation, which is their big oh, thing. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Colcom Foundation. Now, the Colcom Foundation has given money to all kinds of folks around here in Pittsburgh. Millions Good, to I the mean, Western Pennsylvania Conservancy, like Phipps, to uh, downtown Do, weren't they, Lake. And weren't they sponsoring Santa's house they were. at I the Market there. Square Christmas Yes, and then festival. some. Yeah, they were they were they were sponsoring that. Uh, some people pointed that out to me and another journalist named Mike Elk, and um, both of us uh, covered um, that idea. the The immigrant community in Pittsburgh uh, got wind of it and was pretty upset to learn about all this stuff, and they ended up taking the name off of the off of the uh, um, Santa's house. Santa's house and 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 the stage that was uh, there at uh, downtown. But yes, they sponsor a ton of local stuff, but the vast majority of their funds Fast. go to the anti-immigrant movement, like uh, the... Well, she helped found, yes. you know, uh, and, and a lot of these things that she helped found are um, said by the, uh, I don't know, Southern Poverty Law Center, I suppose, has yes. that designation, yes. as hate groups. Yes. FAIR. Uh, the FAIR. Center for, yeah. FAIR. Uh, Federation of American Immigration Reform and the Center for Immigration Studies are two of the largest benefactors of the Qualcomm Foundation and Cordelia Scaife May, and they are both deemed uh, hate groups by the Southern Poverty Law Center. And if I'm just going to weigh in my own opinion, I agree with the Southern Poverty Law Center. The the kind of ads, the kind of work that they do yeah. to to stoke yeah. racism among the anti-immigrant movement, they literally just put out, you can go on our website and, and read about it, they just put out an ad against Connor Lamb calling him a radical for, for voting for a bill that would grant a path to citizenship for DACA recipients. DACA recipients are kids who... Americans, they were born here. No, I mean, no, 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 they weren't born here. Oh, no, they were brought they here were brought as here children. They were brought here as young That's children right. across the border. Right, and they've lived their lives they've here as Americans. They and, don't know from and, and Mexico or what. And to be a DACA recipient, you have to, like, get an education, you have to get a job, you have to do all these things. They're basically what the vast majority of Americans believe that they should have a path to citizenship. 80%, 75% of Republicans believe, believe that they it. should have it. And FAIR is calling, is frames that support as radical amnesty, quote-unquote, all this other stuff. They stoke racism. There's no doubt about it. If you just follow their Twitter account, you'll see. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean... And, and that is all thanks to... You know, think of what... Yeah. The millions, $160 million. Just from her. I remember her brother, Richard Mellonscape, who floated all the ideas of the Clintons yep. as killers and all that kind <laughs> of crapola, and Still of course does. founded the Tribune Review. Mm -hmm. um, he, I remember being shocked to find out that he was a big benefactor to Planned Parenthood. And I thought, what? What? I mean, what? What doesn't compute? Now 
I get it. The line. Because they're, what are they thinking? They're, they want population. Okay. So, They yeah. don't want babies being born, and they're thinking of Planned Parenthood. They kill babies, I guess, right? Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, Cordelia Scaife May, Scaife May her, her, her initial advocacy was about the environment, and well, well, it was about the environment and overpopulation. I just want to say. And they go together. Yeah, That's what they yeah. say. I want to just start off saying overpopulation in America is not an issue. Just look at anything. We're not a dense country. We are not in, in, in danger of running out of water or in running out of resources. Don't believe that what they say that is not an issue. And even if it was, over to like advocate overpopulation is basically like advocating genocide. I, I, I just don't even understand what the end game is. What does that mean? Yeah. What, yeah what's what, the end what are we going to do? We're going to tell everyone to stop having babies? That is literally a dystopian novel. Like, let's think about this. We can manage our resources better. We could maybe not drive to work every day. Like, it's not that hard. Well, we though. could do what China did, the one child thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. But well, that's also, were, I wouldn't even, yeah. But I mean, they like, you know, lifted that eventually. No, I, too. I, I, but I'm no, kidding. yes, yes. No, I mean, we, we could do that. But also, we or could we could just, just starve people. We could, uh, you know, we could make war. Yeah. We could, uh, or yeah, we could just people. go after oh. the 70% of environmental uh, polluters that like cause the vast majority of our oh, no, pollution. That, no, that that's was, just way too hard. No, so let's just can't. tell people to like stop letting immigrants in. I guess that's right. It's the um, immigrants. Yeah, and so anyway, Scape May, like, yes, she she um, was uh, has this environmental mindset that like, yeah, she gave to Plant Parent and everything. But even in this in this in this New York Times report, that idea that she is like a huge benefactor to Planned Parenthood is also a ruse because her her aide eventually sent a letter to these right. like people that said oh this is this is actually this is actually not something I want to you know keep doing because I don't actually care about this like it's not it's it's all a cover basically all of this right. is a cover to basically fund the anti-immigrant movement it's a cover to say oh no but I also care about so what this. is I also care about let that. me ask you now what does because Colcom still has like a billion bucks to give up. I think they're worth $500 million. Okay, half a billion, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. Half so, a mean, billion. And that's right here. That's yeah, right downtown. here. And now that we've all been informed, what does the conservancy do? This is a, honestly, what it's do, a really What do all thing. these good nonprofits who do really good work, who have been used as sort of a beard for That's a good word. what yeah. really has been going on with yeah. Colcom. Um, what did they do? I don't know. That's a huge loss of their... And so some of my reporting, what? like, you know, off, like just like um, underneath, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't published any of this stuff yet, but just like to talk in uh, loose terms, like the, the foundation community that gets the money, are, they're kind of at a loss right now. They don't really know what to do because to reject the money outright is basically just giving away the money. You know, it's giving so she can give more to well, the anti well, 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 and I, they probably would, right? And they, and they would. probably would just so give do more you to take that. this. Well, that's the hard thing, right? Because if you take it, you're complicit in being the beard, right? And 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 so you're you know you're complicit in allowing Colcom to continue to say no, we're not. You know, we're an environmental organization. We're an environmental organization. So it's really see tough, now Planned Parenthood is money, so in need of money of, right now. Yeah, they need four hundred million dollars. I think we just wrote about yeah, 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 this. Yeah, like yeah, that's, that's right. Thing. That's right. They they need money. And Colcom comes and says, "We can we'll fund your defund camp. We'll, we will give you the money." What an awful! It's like a Sophie's choice. It is, and this is honestly like I've talked about this with some people too. It's like, what do we do? And it's basically like tear down the system is the only thing that can really, but that takes a long time, right? Like this system of philanthropic giving where billionaires basically get to say what, what we uh, like fund and what we don't. And normally we would want that to be, in my opinion, we would want that to be democratized and we would, uh, the people would be able to want to have a say, but that would actually mean growing the government, which apparently is such a terrible idea to people. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and this idea, but at least we would have accountability on it we would be able to vote, and we would be able to have a say. We have no say on what Qualcomm does, literally none. No. And we're, actually, and we're actually beholden to them because they do give to a lot of good causes. You know, I was driving the, the other causes. day, and I came on the most beautiful, you know, 
where the conservancy plants those gorgeous, gorgeous things that pop up on a highway or uh, on a city street. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, God, is that beautiful because it's really in full, bloom. full bloom now. And and then I, then I thought, oh my God, it's a conundrum for sure. And it's 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 terrible. And and I, I also want to mention too from the New York Times article that that this stuff is not only anti-immigrant; it's white nationalists. Like these, right. the the Cordelia oh, gave May was she's basically yeah. She 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 evolved. Maybe she wasn't this way initially, but she clearly evolved into a racist, into a white nationalist. She was friends with tons of very influential early white nationalists. John Tanton being the most prominent oh. of them, who who is who he basically milked Cordelia Scaife May right. and created this network. And he was well, an he was evil a genius. And a handsome charmer. Yes. And he and just got all this money out of you know, I believe they also groups I think that made it seem like he had a coalition, but they were all his. You wanna hear something really appalling? I think they funded the Mr. Rogers statue. They did. Which honestly kind of looks like poop. Yes. <laughs> and I love Mr. Rogers. No, no disrespect I to Mr. Rogers. Listen, we all I love Mr. Rogers. I truly love him, but yeah, I don't. But know maybe, him. but but th- this is this is what is so difficult is there are so many things that they fund locally that are for tens of thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands. But again, they give hundreds of million to the anti-immigrant movement. So that's where. Pittsburgh really needs to, um, I don't know, have a deep think, I guess, but it's tough because what do you do? You just you just give up the money? Do you cut off your nose to spite your face? Yeah. You know, it's a real... It I is. I can see arguing on But I will say sides. that... I don't know. But, but I do think Pittsburgh, whatever decision that the city and the leaders come to, I, I do want to manipulate people here and think about the Tree of Life and think about the motivation that Robert Bowers had to carry out his shooting was the same exact stuff that Fair and Colcom and Cordelia Sky De- May put out there, that we true. are under an invasion, that we, and it's just not true. We have the lowest amount of undocumented immigrants of any region in the country. It is, we, it, it, it is just a racist lie that is, that is parroted and people believe it and and it it can lead to very dangerous things. Both the tree of uh, both the um, uh, tree of tree of life. Well, no, but the um, El Paso mass shooter, the and New Zealand mass shooter, specifically cited overpopulation and environmental right. degradation as as a reason they went to go kill a bunch of black and brown and people. And all of that, all of that verbiage, which now permeates all of these global globally, came. From from her, from Cordelia Scaife May, from the Colcom Foundation, we probably wouldn't be in the same situation. Most Americans, we their heads would not have been poisoned. Point, we're at the point. Pew Research says polls on this. The majority of Americans think immigrants are good. We are one of the few like countries in the world where we actually, the majority of us, believe that we want more immigrants. It's 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 well Europe because is the we one look at our grandparents. Exactly. I mean, it's our it's own our story. Exactly. I, I my my family came from immigrants. Um, obviously, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm white, so yes. Me too. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Jesus. And, and and so it's um. So we sort of own yeah. this here. Yeah. More than most I, in yeah. Pittsburgh, and I, I have to say I'm very happy with the um, the spread that that New York Times article got. It was one, and I did a write up too, and that was one of our most read uh, uh, articles this last week too. So. Well, you know, I you know I get the Times, and I they always on page uh, three show the most read articles of the day before. That was right at the top yes. the next it was day. Huge. That was huge. Yes. So and it's gotten now a national, international audience, but guys. That's our backyard. Yeah, we got some we got some tough questions ahead for sure. Yeah. So. Damn. Well, we're not going to get to little Mr. Nutting and his. Ah, that's okay. What a jerk. They stink too, by the way. The Pirates. I can't oh, even win a game. Oh, I feel so sorry for the players. <laughs> it's not the, well, I feel the sorry for the players and the fans. Jeez. They are God. so bad right now. It's Man, bad. oh, I. F- oh, God. You know. Hmm. It's always next year. Yeah. Oh, damn. Right. 
So um, I think that's it. We're out of we're out of time. You you fixed it. Ah, thank you. Well, I, I do I, what I can. It's <laughs> amazing. Hey, by the way, speaking of sports, tomorrow my guest will be. Uh oh, someone thinks you're a bit over the top. Oh no shit. <laughs> okay, well the, the no, yeah, not going to listen to that. No, okay. Uh, okay. Um, oh, my guest tomorrow for the hour will be Stan Saverin. I bet you don't even know who he is. I don't. Jesus. Sorry. Hey, I fixed your computer. All Give right. me a break. <laughs> he is a preeminent sports reporter here in Pittsburgh for 40 plus years. And, um, He'll be joining me, unfortunately not in person, on the phone, but uh, I know Stan, and man, that's going to be fun. And we won't just be talking sports. Cool. I know. That's going to be fun. I know. I know. You're no. such a <laughs> cheerleader. 